is knowing how much your product or your services are worth. I'd say the trick to that is just finding out from other, you know, uh, mar- you know, th- that market, just going out to different businesses and, and finding out. This is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today, your media hub for all things black entrepreneurship, politics, news, and events in Hampton Roads and beyond. Would you like to be a guest on this show? Well, you're in great luck. The link is in the show notes. And now your beautiful guest host, Sabrina Brown. Greetings, greetings, Stay greetings. Stay locked in. Thank you, Blair Marcia, for having me this morning. And I'm here with the, I want to say, the very prominent Mr. Incom- George Berry. The incomparable. The <laughs> And I'm just excited to meet him for the first time, and he's quite personable, and I'm excited to hear about all the things he wish he knew before he went into business. But just to share a little bit about what George does, George, just share about what you do being in the transportation industry. I'm impressed that you're connected with a company. I know that you took it over. There's been in existence since 1976. So tell us about what you do and the benefit of connecting with a franchise. Right. So essentially, well, thank you for having me on first and foremost. And uh, praise God. Praise God. Uh, Praise God. So I, uh, so essentially, FTBT Transport is a subsidiary partner transport. So as FTBT Transport, mm-hmm. what we do is we serve as a dispatching hub, so to speak, for mm-hmm. independent contractors, uh, truck drivers. And uh, we, uh, our, my staff basically dispatches them import and export containerized loads to haul to various warehouses throughout our region. Um, so that's what we do in a nutshell. Uh, we handle all the administrative paperwork um, and uh, we ensure our drivers are settled every week and um, we provide as a support network for them. Um, so that's generally what um, we do in terms of, uh, of the operation of the business of TBT Transport. Now, are there many Black-owned businesses in your field, Black-run, minority-owned? It's not very many. It seems to be hard to some. I think more in the minorities are into the driving aspect of it, and not so much of the running of the operation. Um, I took on this feat because I wanted a, a a location, a business that you know other minority truckers could feel um, more um, secure in. In a sense, uh, they feel that there's uh, integrity. Uh, and folks that looks look like them, you know, represented behind the desk uh, as a terminal manager. So uh, that's why I took on this position. Excellent. And before we get into the things you didn't know, how are you helping to engage minorities or mentor minorities into what you do? Well, I started an organization back in 2014 called For Truckers by Truckers, and. Uh, there, with that organization, that pretty much it's an advocate, it's advocacy for um, for the port drivers in Hampton Roads. And through that organization, I've just been able to be uh, more, I guess you could say, active or um, being able to communicate more with um, other minority truck drivers and uh, you know 
just talk to them more about what we do and uh, what we're there to, you know, how we can benefit their um, their needs. If anyone is interested, how would they contact you? How do they contact you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, George Berry. You can go to Four Truckers by Truckers on a Facebook page, and you can connect with me there. And uh, you know, Pioneer Transport VA on IG. Uh, so those are some of the um, the ways that you can contact and reach out to. Now I share with you, I'm on the other end of this trucking, having retired from the United States Postal Service after 35 and a half years. And I've, al I've always been impressed with those who, first of all, the drivers who drive those huge trucks and, and able to keep their commercial license. And so I do understand palletization, but there's something unique about the fact that you can carry a, pallet, a palletized load. So can you share that? Right. So most uh, generally, most of the loads we carry are import and export. So they come in on those big vessels that we you know, if you're familiar with what the news in terms of what happened last week, there was a large cargo vessel that got lodged in the Suez Canal. And uh, they had 20, it could carry up to 20,000 containers on one vessel. And uh, we're talking 40 foot, you know, containers. Um, those loads are already loaded in, you know, say uh, different countries, China being one of our main importers. And uh, it comes already in containerized, uh, in, in, in a container, and they're offloaded by uh, the docks uh, for uh, workers and various facilities that we deliver to. Um, so we don't necessarily load any of the freight ourselves. Uh, the truck drivers are just there to, uh, you know, move the, the freight in transit. All righty. Well, let's get into your, your wisdom here. Tell us about some of the things you wish you knew before you went in business. Great. So I have a few notes here jotted down, some of the experiences I've been through, and uh, hopefully it can help any of you all out there that's listening, uh, considering starting a business or uh, just on the, uh, it just at that starting line and, you know, want to help get over it. So hopefully these, uh, these, this information I provide for you will be helpful in the future. Uh, so number one, I think it's important that you pick your passion and just not quick money. Uh, if you're going into business, just thinking, you know, hey, I'm going to make a lots of money and I'm going to jump out or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, that is, this may not be for you. So pick your passion, find what you're interested in. Um, you know, you don't want your job, your business to feel like a job. You want to feel like it's somewhere you enjoy going to and that uh, it's something that you've always wanted. You know that there's a need for it and it will make your, your business a lot more enjoyable. So I always say I'm not going to work. I'm going to the office, you know, because if you're going to work, then you're the employee. So you should be in a place where you're managing your employees and running your business. So start with picking your passion first. Next, um, do your proper research to avoid oversaturation or over-indexed industries. Uh, try to find something that, you know, is not, when I say oversaturated, I mean there's too many of them. There may be too many barbershops. There may be too many salons, depending, not saying that you can't select those industries, but just see is there too many in the market that you're in now? Uh, is it over indexed? Is it too many car washes out here and you want to start a car wash? See if you can find something a little more unique that, you know, folks will say, well, that's the only place in town that you can get it. 
So um, look at look at doing something of that nature. Uh, in terms of my industry, it's like how can we be how. What type of services can we specialize in in trucking? Are we carrying overweight? Are we carrying hazmat? Are we carrying um, flatbed loads? Just find a way that you can stand out from all the other uh, businesses or companies in, in your area. So do your proper market research for that. Uh, next, I would say how simple it can be if you invest the time to learn how to establish your own entity. So instead of uh, perhaps hiring a CPA or attorney, nothing wrong with those folks out there, but uh, see if you can, you know, start, you know, get your, you know, get your, uh, uh, your LLC or S Corp, find ways that you can do that on your own and not necessarily have to pay somebody else to do them. Um, you can get your tax ID, your city business license, uh, your state certified, uh, get state certified, your Duns and Brad street number, and get SWAM certified. All those different uh, things that I just mentioned, you can practically do on your own. So you don't necessarily have to go through, you know, um, those uh, 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 different professionals to get what it is that you're trying to accomplish. So look at doing it yourself. Um, next, I would say partnership may have many pitfalls, especially when it comes with relationship, friends and business, uh, excuse me, friends and family. Uh, Sometimes a dissolution, which is basically breaking up the partnership, it, it can feel like a, a divorce. How do I know? I've been there and I've done that. So uh, try to uh, find a way that, <clears throat> you know, as you having a partnership, how just decide that's really the route you want to go in. You know, really have those heart-to-heart -heart conversations with whoever you want to do business with. You know, are you trying to do it with a girlfriend or a boyfriend? You know, that can sometimes go south and sometimes that can really cause your business to go in that same direction. Uh, friends, you know, it, it, can, it can work. Um, but if it doesn't work out, not only do you lose a business partner, but you can lose a friendship too. Yes, and that can be emotionally draining, you know, and, and a distraction when you get involved with those who you're friends with. But of course, we're talking about keeping everything in writing so right. that we understand what we agree to. I agree. I agree. And family, you know, you you know, you want to go into business with your family that could cause turmoil if it doesn't if it doesn't work out. So you have to have those tough conversations ahead of time to say, you know, I was one of those folks that didn't think it would ever happen. Nah, we ain't, he's good, we're, we're so mellow, you know, and when that day came and he was like, nah, I don't think I want to do this anymore. And, uh, you know, we had to go through that whole dissolution process. It, it was, uh, it was tough because I was feeling like I was really losing a partner there, a friend. And, uh, you know, um, it's you're dividing things. You're you're deciding if you really want to take on that entire operation on your own, and that was uh, that was definitely a challenge to say the least. Um, but in hindsight, I'm glad I made that decision because I almost just get, walked away as well because I I was you know nervous. I was like, man, can I can I do all this on my own? You know, I'm losing my partner, so just things to think about. Um, next, I would say scale up slowly. The earth wasn't built in a day. So 
take your time to build up. You don't have to say, you know, for for my my industry in particular, you don't have to say I'm gonna go out there and buy ten trucks so I can have ten trucks. Now you have to. Now your challenge is finding ten drivers, and you can't go out and purchase them. You know, you have to be able to find qualified drivers that want to stick around, you know, for a long time to come. So sometimes just going out there and buying all this equipment and you don't have the resources to put them in, uh, then that could be problematic for you. So um, I would say try to scale your business as slow as you can uh, and you'll get there. You know, you may not be a millionaire the first year, but you know, keep working towards it and, and uh, hopefully that day will come for you. Um, build your network by joining uh, the industry organization or committee. Um, the one I joined was the Tidewater Motor Truck Association. We were talking about that before the uh, meeting started. And uh, just to get involved and in knowing what's happening in my industries, who are the movers and shakers, who are the folks that you can network with, uh, possibly get you more freight, or get you more business. Um, it's important to get connected. You know, um, if your teachers organization, teachers organization, I don't know, is this a barbershop organization? Get with those folks. Uh, just try to get plugged in. And uh, a, a great resource, give a shameless plug, is Black Brand, where you can find a plethora of different uh, business owners and uh, different fields that can be definitely helpful. Um, I don't know if it's a good time to start answering the questions. I have yes, a I see, or do so. you want to just jump in? You let me know. Oh no, I'll just go ahead and ask you: Is the is the industry still thriving where you're in, and is is it is this a good time to start a trucking business? You know, I kind of have a bias with that. I might not be the right person to ask for that because I'm sort of uh, pessimistic in our industry right now. I feel that we're almost in a dying industry, um, mm-hmm. and I'll and I'll tell you why. Um, one of the reasons I think young people aren't as interested in trucking as um, they maybe, you know, once were, there were young, you know, people getting into the industry. First, you have to be 21 to have a CDL. Um, so you can't just, you know, become a truck driver right out of high school. Um, there are some legislation that they're trying to change that to maybe 18, but nevertheless, so. Uh, I don't know how that would look, but 18-year-old behind an 18-wheeler, I'm not sure. (laughs) But uh, we do need more truckers in our industry. Um, I think, uh, I think the, I think that race may, well, not race, how can I say this? Um, Some of the the requirements in terms of uh, criminal background have to be met in order to be a truck driver. And uh, that can be, that can weigh heavily on, you know, how many qualified drivers you have out here, especially when the majority of them are minorities. And, and a good uh, driver's license overall. I used to teach driving yeah, schools. Right, and some of them yeah, would come yeah, in yeah, and say- driving record, right. That's yes, another yes. factor. If you don't have a good driving record, and with my agency, you have to have at least two years of previous experience, you know? So um, uh, another thing is, uh, uh, the rates, I don't think the rates have been um, 
up to par in our industry because of uh, uh, we have brokers, freight brokers who really like to keep the freight rates low. It's just like you buy an airline ticket. Um, you buy an airline ticket, same $100, $200. The airlines ain't going to be able to thrive off of that. That's why there's been so much consolidation over the years. It's just because airlines have tried to keep them fares low, even though diesel or fuel, jet fuel prices are going higher. Parts are going higher. Maintenance costs is going higher. Uh, wages are going higher, but yet we're still trying to only pay that $100, $200 airline ticket. It's the same thing in, in, in my industry where they're just, the brokers are trying to keep it at the best rate. In other words, it's the lowest rate um, for you to haul their freight. And drivers are complaining, you know, we, we can't make, they can't sustain their business on low rates. And uh, if you go, if you go above a threshold, then you may not get the freight opportunity at all. So it's really a, a balancing act of keeping your drivers happy and keeping your customers happy. So uh, to say it's, I'm just a little cynical in terms of the industry, but I think they, there's a lot of folks that are doing other things in terms of uh, uh, starting up on Tomless trucks. And, and uh, those are the self-driving trucks. And they are already testing those on the road because I think they they know something. They know that they're not going to be able to keep, you know, uh, this this industry going if something is not done in terms of uh, getting more qualified drivers or find a way that the trucks are driving themselves. So, you know, that reminds me of our discussion prior to going live where you shared if there if there is a what well, we said in the interview too if there is a saturation where can you be unique i mean i know the costs have to be low i think about the walmarts you know the walmarts of the trucking industry so they can drive the cost lower but what is what is george doing that's unique i mean are you guaranteeing on time to you know being on time of the window whatever it is to give you that competitive edge because people will pay for service Right. Now, I've noticed that people will pay for service. So everyone, our competitive edge as small businesses can be our service. So I have another question for you. How do you navigate the staffing aspect of your business? How do I navigate it? Um, in terms of hiring or? And, you know, just how, how yeah, as far as keeping up, do you have full time? Are they, are they, are they, you know, how do you, how do you work with the salaries, especially during this time? Like you said, with business is slow. Gotcha. So, you know, they had this big push for the $15 an hour uh, minimum wage. And uh, I've really, as a small business, it, it is difficult to often, you know, offer employees that. But you got to realize that is a sacrifice. You, In order to get this, the, the, the skilled workers that you need, the competent workers in your uh in your office or in just, you know, serving your business, you have to be able to pay, you know, reasonable wages. And uh, I have two full-time employees. One is out on medical leave right now. So I had started a new one. She just started training about almost two weeks ago, but she's picked up really quick. And I specifically went after uh, individuals or candidates that have had um, prior trucking experience. I, I have done the try to train them, you know, grassroots green right off the street, you know, and uh, that is not all that that didn't serve me as well as finding someone specifically 
you know, that has experience in my industry. Because folks sometimes hear dispatch, it's like, oh, I could do that, I could do that. But if you've never done it before, know the terminology, because it is a whole new language you have to learn. It's just like, I can't walk into a medical building and say, I want to be a medical assistant. I have to know, you know, that those acronyms and terminology and so on and so forth. So finding folks that are have experience in the industry was critical to, um, is critical to success of, success of my business overall. So, what I admire about entrepreneurs, especially running an operation like yourself, we can be in it. Like you may have been a truck driver and you start the truck driving business, but you don't know the financial side of it, or you don't know the warehouse management side of it. So, I admire those CEOs. Of course, they have the skill sets to manage, but you want to know. You want to know something about that department so that you know you're not getting. I would say cheated, you know, even in the, where I work, right? You know, we had contractors that did all this computer work. Right. The VP didn't know. They had, the VP had to rely on the IT executive to know because you don't want somebody charging you for hours more than is required. So what skill set is required in order to be a good boss in your opinion? Well, I, that, that's actually pretty excellent that you mentioned that. Um, I started out as a truck driver and I still have my truck to this day and I will jump in my, I'll probably jump in my truck a little later on today to help out where I can. Um, it, it, for me, it is important that you know all the different aspects of the business. Um, so, you know, me having 10 years prior experience as a trucker you know, me getting behind the desk now and doing the dispatching just kind of just fell in line. Uh, just it, it was a little, you know, there was some learning curves there, you know, definitely learning how to price your your, your services. And, and, uh, and that can happen in any industry, quite honestly, is knowing how much your product or your services are worth. And um, I'd say the trick to that is just finding out from other, you know, uh, Mark, you know, this, that market just going out to different businesses and and finding out, you know, throwing those feelers out there to find out, you know, how much the services or the, you know, um, you know, how much you should be charging for your goods or whatever the case may be. So um, it was important that I can tell, you know, candidates who want to drive from my agency that, that, you know, I've been a trucker and I still am a trucker. So knowing that. I, I come from that background is uh, often very helpful. I know that we probably have some more questions coming in. Okay, what realistic viewpoint do business owners need? Now, during the pandemic, you know, you experienced a shift in your role that required more of yourself. You even said, you know, which I think is admirable, that you'll jump in the truck yourself and, and help in. So be transparent about it and help us understand that it isn't always a cakewalk. Or was it a cakewalk for you? Was it a cakewalk? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't necessarily say that. I think every day is a unique challenge in uh, my business and perhaps in other folks' business. But every day it's like, what is new today? And, and, and that's what keeps the, the 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 vibe and the energy going. It's like, man, it's going to be something new today. And I and I like to be a problem solver. Um, I like to see what the issue is and and you know try to do some critical thinking and how it can be resolved and how we can move forward so um i want to answer this question what realistic viewpoint do business owners need uh it's it's definitely you know 
I guess a viewpoint of uh, of 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 succeeding. You know, how do I how do I get to the end goal? You know, how do I you know resolve this issue as we were just talking about? So um, that would be the answer to that question. Uh, and I think Blair, there's another question: Do you cover your drivers with a legal service? Um, the drivers have options. They're mostly independent contractors, so they're not my employees. The only employees I have are uh, within inside the uh, office as the dispatchers, but they can always find Legal Shield and uh, other legal services that they desire to have. So. We have some questions from Facebook. Okay. Did you evaluate your insurance options for yourself? Did you evaluate them for yourself or your business beforehand? Um, I spoke with an insurance uh, company and um, they evaluated, you know, what my needs were. And that's how we decided to go from there. Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of insurance, what I did offer my employees are is AFLAC. So we've had representatives come in and speak with them about the various options and I provided a benefit for them. Um, but I don't have an assurance in terms of uh, health and, and vision for, they, there's an option that they can use from our corporate office, but uh, uh, I don't offer one myself. But um, in terms of general, car, uh, general cargo insurance, uh, we do that through our corporate office. I'm really not involved in that. And the general liability within my office, I am covered through that. Well, that's one of the benefits of having a corporate office, right? That you right. have someone that can handle some of those administrative aspects. Indeed. Indeed. What do you suggest for someone who has recently finished trucking school, George? They're top of the class and they're looking to drive. Are you looking to hire any more drivers? So as I was speaking to earlier, I'm not able to hire um, truckers who are right out of school, but a great benefit for drivers. Uh, I, luckily, I was able to be given a break when I first got out of uh, trucking school, and I went to a, um, a company called Didi Jones, which was local. So there are a few companies that are around that will allow, uh, will permit um, new truckers coming in to the business to start locally, but uh, I think another great direction is maybe a little OTR that stands for over the road, meaning they would go with one of the uh, upper, you know, upper echelon companies like a Warner or a Swift. Um, they can oftentimes take on new drivers and drivers could get their experience through that way. So by the time they're ready to come back after say a year, two years, they'll be very well familiar with uh, the road and its challenges. How long should one wait to try to obtain their own truck to drive? Mm -hmm. So is it about the dispatch connection to keep a driver, uh, meaning their husband on the road? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> let me see, let me go back to that question. That was weird. <laughs> um, I, I waited a year and a half. What I wanted, I started off as a company driver. I wanted to get familiar with being in the truck and being and watching other owner operators and how they conducted their business and the, the freight that they chose and how did they, how were they able to, you know, understand their, their value um, and what they were bringing forward. So um, I would say, you know, I'd take at least a year to maybe, you know, 
decide, make that decision a year to two years, and then I would go out to maybe buying a truck. I enjoy while the questions are still coming in. I enjoyed what you mentioned earlier about your passion. We know that's so very important. You know, the old saying is do what you would do for free. Yeah. Because, you know, there has to be intangible benefits because Indeed. when things and, and we know they're going to go wrong, when they go wrong, when we're going through a hurdle, right. we won't be so quick to, to retreat because this is our passion. This is mm -hmm. what we enjoy It's what we would do for free. And sometimes it is what we do for free, meaning you give away something to gain that customer. We call it a discount a discounted rate or, or an intro rate. You right. know, I do this for free just to be connected with you. So have you done that? Have you worked with other uh, businesses? You know, I just want you, I want to be connected with you so that I can say you are a client. Right. And yeah, that is the case. And uh, depending if I'm doing a, you know, substantial amount of business with you, I will cut a bro broker a little bit of slack on um, a certain rates. Um, and, uh, but I still have to have it where it's still, um, it, it, I can still appetize the, the, uh, the, the driver who has to deliver that load. It still has to be something that they want to do, um, it, you know, for that rate. So I have to be very careful. And sometimes it's just a nickel or a dime here or there. So, it, but sometimes it's like, oh, they gave me a discount or they knocked a little bit of storage off of my, my rate or whatever the case may be. And uh, so that can be um, a helpful tool along the way. Um, I'm trying to attract more drivers right now. So I I have uh, started, I make, created an initiative for a thousand dollar sign-on bonus for any drivers who you know, um, want to drive from my trucking agency. We have to put that out there. Yeah, the same as plug, no shame. Yeah, Blair will put it out there for you. <laughs> oh yeah, she will. I appreciate her so much. Um, yeah, so I, I wanted, I had a few more things I wanted to wrap up on the, on the what things okay. I you know, knew, and then we will get back to another question. Is that okay? okay? Sounds great. Go ahead. Okay, just a couple more. So. Um, some other things I want to tell folks is to uh, find competent staff, um, preferably someone that has experience already in the field of your business. Newbies could take a lot of time to grow. Uh, if, if you are the true definition of a boss, uh, when you are a boss, oh, my phone just, okay. Um, when you're a boss, uh, you're a boss over someone. And so you being calling yourself a boss and you're doing all the work, I, I don't really consider that individual boss. So you have to get to a place where you um, have competent staff on and uh, you know you can leave your business and they will run your business as if you were still there. Um, that can be challenging, but it is uh, very possible to do. So um, keep that in mind as you begin to start your business and who you want to hire and bring on. Um, last but not least, I would say is my greatest advice I ever received from another business owner uh, was to run your business or your business will run you. So um, I wanted in my uh, list of uh, items with that last statement, because it's very important that you have to keep um, control over what you have going on. Uh, if you're absent and when you come back in, it's in, it's in chaos and disarray is because you, you, you did not 
you know, keep an eye on your business or stay informed of what was happening. So I would always say, try to, you know, stay plugged in and what's going on in your business, even if you hire some folks. So you can always jump in there in case something happens where they're unable to work or whatever, you can jump right in that seat and be able to keep keep everything flowing. I had to sort of learn, learn my business all over again you know, for the past year, I sort of stepped back. I was kind of chilling at home, sleeping in, just getting a briefing every day. But um, as things were sort of were falling apart in my business, I, I had to get back in there. And I'm glad I did at the time I did. And just learning how to do the, the dispatcher's work, you know, um, from from the bottom up so that uh, we could sustain ourselves. So that was important. How are you? How are you as an? How are you an advocate? Are you an advocate, a voice for for what you do? Or I don't know. And it, and it doesn't have to be just people going into the trucking industry. It could be something uh, for the truckers. I mean, I've seen on the news how truckers during COVID couldn't even use a bathroom. But you know, however you want to share, how are you an advocate for what you do? Right. So uh, for me, being to be an advocate, I joined. Uh, I was actually asked to be on one of the board, the Port of Virginia's uh, board for motor carriers. Um, and sitting on that board the last three years or so, uh, I'm able to be that conduit for um, port drivers. If they have any grievances that they need to bring to the Port of Virginia, um, I'm that mouthpiece for them. I serve as that so that I can uh, maybe bring about changes that they need to see happen on the on the marine terminals and um, you know throughout this industry. So that's how I've been able to be a voice and also just you know using social media as a platform. Uh, our Facebook page for truckers by truckers, you know, has over three thousand folks up there that you know stay engaged quite frequently. You know with what's happening in the industry. So. Um, we also created a text notification service to keep drivers plugged in and what's going on in the business and industry because everybody doesn't, we, as truckers, they don't all meet in one central location to clock in. Everybody's in their separate trucks and everybody's going down the road and doing their thing. So uh, I think it's important that we keep, um, for my industry, the drivers plugged in and, and them having feeling that they have someone to stand up in their corner. How did going in business create new opportunities for you? I mean, the probably unforeseen opportunities. Can you think of any that you're like, wow, I didn't know that this door will open for me? Hmm. Well, I, I think it's for me, I'm just in a place of uh, where I want to scale my business more, quite frankly. And uh, that is challenging just because there's a lot of zoning laws and that's another thing business owners have to keep in mind as the zoning laws. So just because you want to start a business in a particular place doesn't mean that you'll be granted that if the zoning doesn't permit it. So with trucking, it's the same way you can't. There's certain ordinances in, in the various cities that dictate where a trucking company can actually, you know, start, you know, have their business rooted. And um, that has been uh, a big challenge in our area. For this to be a large port town, um, <clears throat> it's not the most friendly when it comes to trucking companies mm -hmm. and them having locations and where they can put their business. So to be able to scale my business is definitely um, 
one of the directions I'm trying to take it in. I'm, I'm not sure if that really answered your question. No, it, it answered it because that was your response. It's <laughs> fine. Now, I, before I ask the next question, I do have a, a comment. I, I used to teach driving school. I did it part-time. So okay. it's, in, it's imperative that I, I would have people, students in there with their commercial A mm-hmm. license, and they okay. say they would be in jeopardy of losing it, so they had to come to driving school. And it, so it's imperative that we understand that just from hitting a bad, I guess, infraction, you may lose your commercial, you may use your commercial license. So how did you fund your business? What was the process? So funding my business, um, it was more of just a startup cost per se. Um, and actually I was still driving for another company while we were trying to scale up our- That's smart. We have now, yes. So we would take revenue from that and me and my business partner would split any of the costs, the office rent or whatever the case may be, you know, at a 50-50 rate. And um, we would, as, as, as as our business began to grow, I drove and drove less for the other company. So that I was like, hey, look, I'm driving for my other company. And that was, uh, you know, those were certain programs called trip leasing at that time that we were able to do. It's not a lot of trip leasing opportunities around anymore because a lot of companies know that there's a lot of insurance issues and then we have electronic logs now. So it's made it a little more complicated to do it in that method. Um, but that's how I was able to uh, grow my business at that time. We have a question from an attendee, and I, I think this is very interesting. And, and it's good that managers know how to handle conflict. So as a small business owner, you have employees. How do you handle internal employee conflicts? So, and I definitely have had those. Um, Sometimes you have to get to a point where somebody's got to go. It can, it can be that. But before you get to that drastic step, it's the, you know, the constant, I would have constant talks with both of the individuals. And then sometime I would have them separately. Um, uh, I would say, hey, look, you know, I take them outside and just have a conversation with them. And then, you know, say we really need to, um, you know, resolve this and we need to move forward. So uh, that would be, uh, I think sometimes those are the easiest way of doing things. Sometimes just take them out to lunch and just, you know, oh, maybe they can find boss. things that are in common. Yeah, we got to do things like that time to time. But, um, you know, I think that is that is just the the most adult way you can kind of go about it. It's like, look, how do we how do we move forward? We need to do this or, you know, like, you know, I, I would let an employee stay, you know, while, you know, other employees would be like, look, I can't work with this individual. And I was starting wondering, was it that employee the whole time? So, you know, you just had to um, you have to work that situation just like family sometimes, because that's what they sort of become when you're spending so many hours a day with them. Like, come on now, don't, don't, do, don't do cousin doing but like that. And work it out amongst each other and try to re- res- resolve whatever the conflict is. And so, when you said that sometimes you have to let them go, Blair had a, had a chat. Speak, George. Speak. You know, you do have to let them go. But I, I just can't. I can imagine, especially if you're a people person, that is 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 a very difficult thing to do because you know it's people need income. 
Right. You know, and, and maybe it maybe they dug their own grave, but yeah. when it's when it's not some, when someone's stealing, you know, you know that's that you don't have to you're not gonna you're not gonna lose sleep over that. Right. But when it comes to them really trying and just not being able to get it, I I, I think about the emotional toll, you know, on managers or owners when they have to let someone go, knowing that they're trying their best, but they're just not cutting it. So I see this speaking about my staffing issues. So yes, I'll speak yes, a little yes. bit on that, why it was challenging for me. And maybe somebody else out there have, uh, have this background and has found it challenging. But I came from a military background. I served in the Army for eight years. So being that, I got to a level of sergeant and I was a squad leader and I had soldiers underneath me. And if anybody out there has ever been in the military, they know that you don't, you can't just necessarily fire your soldiers that, you know, are underneath you. And I sort of took that mentality into my civilian business um, because I, you know, I had an employee that, you know, just wasn't the, the most competent. And uh, I just felt like, you know, and how do I try to ship this? You know, how do I get this person into shape? You know, I, I, I don't want to fire them um, because I've invested a lot of time in training them and getting them, you know, up to speed in this industry. Uh, and I wanted to keep them around. And I felt like maybe I could work at correcting all their deficiencies and uh, without firing them. And that had became such a challenging, you know, task for me is how would I keep this individual on? And, uh, you know, folks were like, man, get rid of it, get rid of them, you know? And I'm like, man, I just don't know how to really fire someone. And so um, I think it has to get to that point where you're like, okay, look, you're watching your revenue go down and you're seeing all your losses that you need to say, look, all right, you know, it's time for me to do something else in this situation. So I'm sort of revamping my business as we speak, you know, bringing in new, um, new talent, so to speak. And um, I feel a lot more confident now. And it, it, it feels so good that I've made those choices. As a point of clarity for the effervescent, loving, and very um, friendly Blair. She didn't say, speak George, because she's an advocate of having people fired. She just knows you've been in the trenches with staffing. So I wanna make sure everybody out here in Facebook land knows that, and those who are attending with us, because we know Blair is a sweetie. But I also know that, you know, that staffing, as you mentioned, can be a problem. Me, having retired from the U.S. Postal Service with unions. I mean, you just can't fire. So, you know, you're dealing with conflict with the union. You may want to fire them, but you have to work with the union. And, and it's not that the union is an advocate for those who don't do their work. They're just an advocate for those who pay their dues. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to help them to stay. So that's a, that can be another challenge if you're working with a union or if you're working with someone who is, everybody has it, every company has it, that leader, it's not a union, but that leader, that person that everybody, most of the, most of the employees look up to. So you have to get a buy-in from that leader because that leader is the influencer, so to speak. And we may not want to deal with it, but we have to deal with it because that is the person that the people listen to, just like the newbies when they come in. Sometimes we don't want them exposed to the negatives, right? We want to put them with someone who's going to train them, who's going to give them... I would say a balanced perspective of the company. 
Now, I know that for drivers, I don't know if this is the case for your company, they have allowed them to have, I guess because long distance drivers, allow them to have someone in the truck with them. It might be a pet, it might be a spouse or, or whomever. So is that the case for you? I don't know, tell us about, I don't know if you have long distance drivers. Um, well, our drivers are mostly regional, so they probably okay. go out two to 300 miles and then come back. Um, so typically they don't sleep in the truck. Um, it's very rare that that happens. Um, but, you know, th there are drivers who want to, you know, really that should be an additional uh, rider on insurance. If you have an additional person in your vehicle when you go uh, to, you know, across the country or even just riding in your truck as a whole. So it depends on the terminal that you um, drive for. Mine particularly, uh, you really shouldn't have an additional driver in there because really this is your job. You know, how many people are able to bring their spouse to their job with them every day? Good and, point. Right. So um, the pet's not a big issue, but bringing an additional human. So if you get in an accident, you know, or God forbid something like that happened and you have somebody else that's in your truck with you really kind of unauthorized, then that could create, you know, um, problems along the way. So um, that's sort of a, kind of a gray area. And, and so I, 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 it depends on the trucking company. And everyone, we still have time, of course, for a few more questions. I want to continue, George, with the HR aspect. How are you, I mean, as far as, does, does your corporate office handle that too, as far as signing up for insurance or uh, the health insurance, so you don't have to deal with those aspects as far as, you know, even with um, those who are in the reserves, you know, being able to honor them going on reserve duty, you don't deal with that part of it? Right, so um, no, my, yeah, mostly my HR department, uh, corporate office would deal with things of that nature. So that's the benefit of me being sort of like a franchisee. Uh, that you know those things are handled through them. I uh, we we do have insurance plans that you know we can deduct the employees from, um, and the truckers are sort of on their own. That's why they're the independent contractor. They're not my employees, so any insurance that they need to have or whatever, that's really what they seek out themselves. So, okay, so with independent contractors. You still have your standards, so you still have to offer remedial training, right? Refresher training to make sure they're, I don't know if you do that or not, as far as what they have to do when they dock, how they, safety measures. You don't have to do that per OSHA. I'm just, now this is my question. <laughs> no, not a problem at all. Um, no, I, I, the drivers are required to recertify when, you know, for their driver's license. Um, themselves uh, in terms of safety we try to offer a safety refresher course every year to them mm -hmm. um, and uh, but we pretty much allow them to operate because they're basically operating a business as well so they're there to do what they have to do to keep their business um, you know in compliance well, excuse me whether that's uh, drug and alcohol testing that's required and uh, uh, any anything else in terms of their twig badge to be able to get on the port they have to renew their credentials for that so mm -hmm. there are little instances of where the drivers have to um maintain their uh, you know their business one tip you shared is about networking getting organizations where we can network did, what was your advertising budget like did you do anything where you did any type of advertising where you put your name out there 
right. so you can share that about us you know maybe some pitfalls maybe some yeah some areas where you wasted money and you wish you hadn't done that you know just when you start when you're learning it when you first first starting out Right, so sometimes you can find it, fall into those pitfalls. Like, I got this guy that calls me every so often. He always has some ridiculous joke he starts his conversation off with. It's like an icebreaker, and I end up buying 150 ridiculous pins that I really don't need. Uh, so I try to get rid of them as folks come in and say something like, uh, I stole this pin from FTBT Transport and have our number and stuff. So I do little gimmicks and stuff like that. But um, uh, I've, I've put banners out if I'm seeking uh, drivers. Um, most of my costs associated with that, uh, those yard signs that you may see around. I'm advertising for drivers through that. And of course, uh, spending budget when it comes to um, you know, Craigslist or Indeeds, uh, those different type of sites where I can advertise for additional drivers um, is the most my budget extends in terms of marketing. You have a sales team, and or do you have anyone representing you going out to to obviously business to business feel? Yes, that's me. Okay, all and, right, uh, actually, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Actually, uh, so it's been times where I've taken my staff out. If we went really low on drivers, I'd take my staff out and we would get water bottles and we would stand near the port. We'd hand the drivers a cold water bottle with, uh, you know, a flyer for our, our business. I mean, we would advertise like that. So basically standing on the street corner, you know, waving down drivers, running up to trucks and handing them a, you know, a, a brochure and a cold water, a cold Gatorade or something of that nature. Uh, we went to those extreme measures and uh, we just do what we had to do to uh, keep, you know, our doors open. Luckily this year, I received a lot of um, funding through uh, COVID uh, relief funds and grants that I've been able to apply for and be successful with. As a matter of fact, I just applied for one yesterday through um, Chesapeake, the city of Chesapeake. And um, those that, that funding has uh, allowed us to sustain, you know, through these uh, turbulent times. Well, George, this has been rich, quite rich. I want to recap what you shared with us. And of course, I took my notes. You said to pick our passion, which, you know, we, we, we talked about, you know, what we do is our passion will help us to hang in there is what we would do for free. Do our research and, and to avoid uh, creating a business that's already saturated. And if we're going to create a business that's, that's already saturated in our area, find something unique. We need to have our niche. What makes us different? What do we specialize in that everyone else doesn't specialize in? How can you establish your own entity? Of course, do it on your own. You, know, you don't necessarily, for me, I'm Gary Trademark. I should have been done this. Trademark my name. I'm in the process of that just about done. Get Duns and SWAM certified. Do what you can yes. on your own. Try to find a way to select a partner if you want one. Make sure you want a partner and understand that there's a risk in that. Scale up slowly. Take your time in building your business. Learn the ropes first. Find competent staff, preferably someone with experience. Run your business or your business will run you. So that is rich. And I didn't know if you have any parting comments, but before 
I give you the floor for parting comments. I want to share with everyone that I am founder and CEO of Girlfriends Tea, and we have an upcoming conference this Saturday. It's called Crystal Clear for the Good of Society. And that theme means we need to be crystal clear about our purpose and our talents. Otherwise, we're no good for society. How can we help others unless we're clear in what we do? So if you're interested in attending our conference, it's going to be dynamic. We have over $2,100 in door prizes. So we're excited to be giving those away. One of them, namely, is a Bruce Thompson donated a room stay at the Hilton and dinner for two. And I also, I personally have four $50 gift certificates to Brothers. So shout out to Brothers. Excellent restaurant. So at any rate, we want you to... Check us out on Eventbrite and join us if you see that that's a good fit for you. And we hope it is. And I also have my brand new tea line. I'm actually sipping on some of my tea now. So you can find out more about me at girlfriendstea.square.site as far as my products go. All right, George, I'll give you parting comments. And Blair, I want to thank you and Marcia, but especially you, Blair, for the opportunity to come before your people because I know that you don't trust everyone with your platform. And I'm honored to have participated in this interview with George. George, what would you like to say? Well, I'd like to thank you first, Sabrina. I think you're an excellent host. Uh, you made thank me you. very comfortable. And uh, Blair, as always, you know, the love is there. We appreciate you so much for what you're doing uh, with Black Brand and um, what you're doing for our community. Um, I, I'm not, uh, so you might've heard me do a lot of stuttering and stuff like that, but I'm, you know, I'm not much, do a lot of interviews but um you did a great job great job thank you. your personality sometimes people speak well but your personality well, thank you thank great you. so you did a great job and you're good at what you do so make no excuses george you know what you know you're making money so that's good enough and dear thank you so much and uh yeah i hope you know some of the information that we shared today um you took great notes by the way I'm a great student. But um, you made me feel like my words really resonated. I think they did. Wouldn't you agree? Mm. Oh, Blair's drinking my tea. She said she's drinking spearmint energy. Shameless plug. Thank you, Blair. I love spearmint. Blair, how'd you get that? Oh, that's Marcia. Okay, I got to get Blair something now. I don't misspoke. That's Marcia. Blair, I'll get you a bag. But George, yes. And I want to connect with you. I know you're on LinkedIn. Uh, We have some things in common being in the same field. So I just want to connect with you regarding some of the things that you mentioned. And everyone else, I encourage you to do the same. So remind us again how we can connect with you. Right, sure. So LinkedIn is a great uh, platform. You can find me, George Berry. Um, You can also find our Facebook page for our uh, trucking. Uh, You can find Pioneer Transport, uh, VA, or for truckers, by truckers. Uh, You can also find us on the gram, uh, uh, Pioneer Transport VA. Uh, You can add us there. So, yeah. And uh, come to any black brand uh, meetings we may have face to face in the future. (laughs) That's right. We're going to have them in the future. Blair, I'm honored to be a member of Black Brand. Everyone have a beautiful rest of the day and please support Coffee Connect. Share it because this is a this is an excellent platform for all of us to learn something because we can learn something from each individual. All right. Thank you, George, again. Blessings to everyone. Y'all have yes, a good have evening. Have a great blessing. Good day. Everybody. Yeah, all that okay. good stuff.
Enjoy that sunshine. Enjoy that sunshine. Enjoy that sunshine. I also want to remind you about our upcoming real estate conference. It's HR RealCon 21, our fifth annual real estate readiness event. We are so excited. We've expanded the event to comprise two days this year. So I will kick off on Friday evening, April 30th, with a segment from Danita Hayes of Victory Allegiance Realty and Wall Street Cafe. She's also the founder of a new movement, Women Flip Houses Too. She's one of the most successful real estate brokers in the Hampton Roads region. Uh, this new movement is all about, of course, empowering women with the tools and information that they need in order to achieve success in real estate. We'll also also have on Friday evening a piece on wholesaling for dummies and this segment is hosted by none other than Seiko Varner, the founder and CEO of Positive Vibes Incorporated. He'll be bringing some other wholesalers to the table, talking through certain aspects of private money uh, lending. He's one of the most recognizable faces in Hampton Roads easily. And so I certainly want to invite you to participate in the Friday session as well as the Saturday session. So Saturday morning, come back for a mini first time homebuyers course sponsored by Virginia Housing Community Development Corporation and James Taylor. During this mini course, we'll learn about available grants to lower closing costs. We'll talk about how to shop for a realtor and we'll look at what the market is doing now. We also have a buy the block segment with Clarence Harris, a building a successful real estate business with Kit Lockett. Another segment with Seiko Varner focused on again, the private money lending piece. And we'll conclude with a real estate roundtable. We'll bring all the professionals together uh, and get some closing thoughts, no pun intended, final tips. It'll be a brief discussion on how to get started in real estate right now. This event is also free and open to the public. This event is also virtual and accessible from wherever you are. And this event can be uh, registered for by visiting our website, blackbrand.biz, B-L-A-C-K-B-R-A-N-D.B-I-Z. Again, a free event. You can register blackbrand.biz. This show was brought to you by Positive Vibes Incorporated. Do you need your credit fixed? Give us a call, 757-932-0177. Stay locked in. Stay with us online at Black Wall Street Today on Facebook and Black Wall Street Today on Instagram. And then follow us on Twitter as well at BWS Today. We look forward to talking again next week. Have a wonderful week. I have said and I will continue to say that the most important priority for the black community is the black community, not a particular political party. Hey, yo, when I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black Wall Street.